0: back to hazel and katniss and harry and star a young adult literature podcast their film and television adaptations and everything in between i'm joe
1: and i'm brenna
0: and our show was located on the ancestral lands of the honoshone the huron wendat and the anishinaabe on lands connected to the toronto purchase treaty 13 of 1805
1: and on the Tucumlupstays Sequim territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequim Ulu, and today's text, "One of Us Is Lying," takes place in Bayview, California, the traditional home of the Olone, Rametush, and Muwekma peoples.
0: Hmm, that seems new. I don't think we've ventured into this part before.
1: No, I don't think so either. Um, Joe. Yes. Before we jump into this, I feel like we should disclose something to the listeners.
0: Which is what?
1: Okay, well, we're recording these wildly out of order because mm-hmm. um, I've been away for like a month. This is right. my first time back recording. So if I suck, that's why. But also, <laughs> I watched the series on like um, like a free preview of like a streaming service. Right. And so I had to watch them really quickly. And then I was like, Joe, we have to record the episode soon before I forget everything that happened
0: hmm. Yeah, this is tricky because the book, which I think we both enjoy Very much. is it's filled with twists and turns, right? Because it's a murder mystery. And then the TV show is eight episodes of 45 minutes. So it's a lot to try to keep organized in your brain. So folks, mm-hmm. if we get some of the details wrong, or if we attribute something to the book, and it's in the show or vice versa. Uh, please forgive us.
1: Yeah, go easy on us. Um also, Joe, I have to tell you about this weird streamer that I used to watch. Oh my
0: gosh, yeah, it sounded so janky and weird. It was
1: really janky and weird. It's like it's some Canadian streamer that has like I think it has the chorus entertainment channels, and this aired on Mm -hmm. W Network, which is the women's network in Canada. And so that's why I had to watch it on this thing. But like You had to pay for it. It's an add on to Prime. I had to pay Mm -hmm. for it. But then it still had ads in it. But all of the ads. We're for this streamer. It is so annoying.
0: <laughs> I love that because it suggests that they're there as a bit of a placeholder where they would sell those ads to someone else, but they haven't been able to find a buyer. So they're just yes. advertising themselves.
1: Yes, that's exactly what it feels like. It feels like nobody else wanted to watch this streamer either. Anyway, I canceled my Hilarious. trial immediately, but it was like, what? And it, it was a reminder to me, you know, we've talked about this with ebooks sometimes when you get a poorly formatted ebook, mm-hmm. how much it impacts on your experience of the reading right but i was kind of feeling that way with this thing because every time i had to log into this stupid streamer i was like well i'm really annoyed i'm already annoyed <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what you're saying is you love the tv show
1: oh well we'll get there i think it made mm-hmm. some choices i think it made it some choices
0: made some choices yes <laughs> but first bretta what is this book we've not even said who wrote it
1: You're right. We're gonna talk today about One of Us is Lying, which is the first book in a series by Karen M. McManus. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I've promised Joe that I'm not gonna get too far into the weeds. But I also don't know how to tell this story without getting into the weeds. So feel free to cut me off at any time, Joe.
0: Oh, I will. I will. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So this book tells the story of really five students at mm-hmm. Bayview High. Um, one dies. So we have yes. um, Simon, Nate, Cooper, and Addie, who are our main characters. And we have Simon, who is the character who dies, who the murder mystery is then all about. Right. And our characters are all really sort of trope types. So... Mm-hmm. Bronwyn is the brain. She's an overachiever. She wants to go to Yale. Her family's very well-to-do. But she's also half Hispanic, and she feels a lot of pressure from her dad Mm -hmm. to sort of be a good representative of her dad's Colombian heritage. So... That's a whole sort of thing that underlies every choice that she makes.
0: Mm -hmm. And I would argue she's kind of the de facto protagonist. Like we get chapters from everybody's perspective except Simon because he Mm -hmm. just, you know, he dies. Mm -hmm. But I would argue that Bronwyn and maybe Addie often feel like they're the two characters who get pushed to the front. We learn the most about them. And Bronwyn... She can be a bit frustrating in some ways because she is too much of a perfectionist. You're like, girl, just learn how to relax.
1: Yeah, she's very, very worried about how she's perceived. And she almost lives her own life by like, watching herself and people's reactions to her. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's frustrating at times. I agree with you, Joe, about perspective. And I think it might have something to do with the fact that McManus seems much more comfortable writing the female characters than the male characters in terms of voice. Mm -hmm. And they're more successful, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think they're distinct enough, if only because the tropes are pretty far apart. So, yes, mm-hmm. we've got Bronwyn, the brain, and then Addie is sort of the cheerleader, hot, sort of vacant plastic girl who, of course, yes. is revealed to have much more going on than anyone realizes. She
1: has hidden deaths.
0: Sure, she's also <laughs> in an abusive relationship.
1: <laughs> yes, she is.
0: Oh, boy, I'd forgotten how bad Jake is to her.
1: Oh, you know, it's really interesting. We'll talk about this more when we get to the TV show. But I think the slow burn of Jake, the Mm -hmm. bad guy in the book is really, really effective. Like, it's it's a lot of little things that layer Mm -hmm. up and make you really, really, really loathe him. Whereas the show kind of dumps on Jake in like the last episode. (laughs) And you're like, Oh, right, you're a bad guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's not very well paced. I feel like if you only watched the show and hadn't read the book, it would feel like it comes out of nowhere. Whereas in the book, You're almost discovering how bad Jake is as Addie discovers Mm -hmm. it, as everyone else is like, Addie, you have to get away from this. Like, Jake dumping you because you cheated on him with his best friend is secretly the best thing ever to happen to you.
1: Yes, and we should say that's Addie's big secret. So each of the four characters is going to have some big secret that's going to be revealed over the course mm-hmm. of the narrative. Addie's is that she has cheated on her boyfriend with TJ. Bronwyn's is that she cheated on a chemistry test. We mm-hmm. also have Nate, who's our bad boy. He's a criminal oh, yes. on probation for selling drugs. and He lives with his alcoholic father and he's a super bad guy.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> he
1: obviously is in love with Bronwyn because Mm -hmm. she's the super good girl, so obviously. And his big secret is that he's told everybody that his mom is dead. Really, his mom Mm -hmm. abandoned the family, and that was just how he kind of processed it and dealt with it. So he didn't have to answer any questions, but it becomes this whole thing about like, oh, you lied about someone being dead, and now there's this other guy who's dead. Mm
2: -hmm. We
1: also have Cooper, and he's our jock. He's going to be this great baseball player, and the secret that comes out about him is that he's on steroids, but Right. Um that's a fake secret because his real secret is that he is closeted and in love with a boy.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, when we say they've got these secrets and they're going to come out, they don't come out in the normal way. They yeah. come out on an app that Simon has developed called About That. And it's basically the equivalent of Gossip Girl. So everyone default assumes that the Bayview 4 or the Murder Club maybe got together to off him to prevent these four secrets from coming out.
1: Yes, because when Simon dies, what's discovered is that there is like a draft post pending and it's about the four of them so all of these mm-hmm. secrets obviously the police are like huh this seems suspicious yes <laughs> so yeah simon has created this gossip app and secretly really everybody is happy that he's dead because he's mm-hmm. been kind of making life miserable for everybody at the high school of course this in turn is because he's felt excluded and bullied he used to be best friends with jake but jake has rejected mm-hmm. him and so he's doing that thing where he's living on the outside of the high school and pretending to be cool with it, but really isn't. His best friend, Janae, becomes important towards the end of the text. She's likewise an outsider who ends up being sort of embraced by the Bayview Four. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess, I mean, Joe, do we say how it ends or do we, what do we do here?
0: Oh, yeah, we're absolutely spoiling this, folks. So... As we said, we would recommend this. I found that even though there's almost too many twists and turns, like to the point where I didn't enjoy the reread all that much because it just felt overwhelming how dense and information heavy it becomes. Mm -hmm. uh, This is a really good page turner.
1: It really is. And I would recommend like Save It For Summer. It's a good beach read.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So I actually really like the conclusion of the book. What we discover is actually that Simon has not been murdered. Mm-hmm. Simon has died by suicide. And yeah. Simon has a severe peanut allergy. He stages a situation where he is exposed to peanut oil, the particular type that can kill you, which is mm-hmm. something that you get way too much detail about in the book.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> and also he's made sure that all of his EpiPens are unavailable. And so he he dies. So he has orchestrated his own death mm-hmm. with the assistance of Jake, who we really discover what a bad dude he is. And Mm -hmm. also uh, Janae. And it's Janae really cracking that becomes the way they figure out what's going on.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate that Janae is, she's almost a bystander in this. Like she Mm -hmm. didn't actually support Simon's decision.
1: Well, she didn't like the app at all, right? Like she's kind of been against all of this.
0: Because it changed him as a person, Mm -hmm. right? Like, she liked who he was as an outsider, and it started off as a fun way to say, oh, these these popular people are just as bad as us. It's just that they have money or uh, privilege and that kind of stuff. And then it changes Simon. It makes him into somebody that Janae doesn't like, and eventually someone that Simon himself doesn't even like. And that's why he decides to do it. But also he is radicalized we find out that Mm -hmm. he's been posting on 4chan and doing all these other things like he basically wants to take revenge on everyone at the school by taking these four down and creating something far worse than a typical school shooting
1: yes absolutely And, and that's kind of his it's really dark like he basically has this idea of wanting to be totally unique and so for him, school shootings are like way too been there done that. And instead, Mm -hmm. he wants to do something that will be even more newsworthy, which of course, this is for weeks and weeks and weeks on end.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this book captures not a specific moment, but it does feel like a culmination of the news stories that we've been seeing, particularly in the US since Mm -hmm. the times of Columbine. And in that way, it I don't want to say it's prescient, I don't want to say it's timely, but it really does feel like McManus has her finger on the pulse of, like, not just what makes a good story, but also what makes this story particularly memorable and almost realistic, despite how fabricated all the twists and turns are.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I was actually really fascinated by simon's character and i Mm -hmm. feel like we get just enough of it in the book obviously we can never read from his perspective because he's gone at the opening of the book but we actually open the book with his point of view and i just think it's a unique perspective that she brings here this could have been Mm -hmm. a really straightforward like well, unfortunately, like the TV show kind of becomes like there's just yes. one bad kid who does a bad thing.
0: Mm-hmm. This is
1: far more complex and nuanced. And I I really appreciated what McManus is trying to do here. I'm not sure, as you said, it's a bit overstuffed. I'm not sure it's 100% successful, but I I really appreciated it for what it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think even being able to subvert the expected tropes with mm. each of these characters and turn them into Individuals, right? Like by the end of the book, I find I really like a lot of these characters. So mm. when things do become a little more conventionally thrillery, twisty turny, you realize you've invested in them enough that you care about the outcome. Like you 100%. don't want Nate to go to jail. You want him to end up with Bronwyn. When he tries to pretend like he doesn't love her anymore, you're just like, dude, come on.
1: <laughs> but that's another piece that I really loved. So um it becomes clear that the police are cornering. Nate, that they would like to just blame nate for this and not have Mm -hmm. to pursue the case anymore and it's heartbreaking because you know he didn't do it and you like Mm -hmm. him a lot um but it's also i think when he comes out of jail he's missed everything right like Mm
2: -hmm.
1: bronwyn mostly bronwyn but just her dogged determination has like solved the mystery and everything is resolved and he feels like so left out from that and also like weirdly guilty that he Mm -hmm. wasn't part of the solution. And I just found his character becomes so layered by the end of the book that I was really rooting for him. Like I I really ended up liking him the best of all the characters. And at the beginning, you really think he's going to be like a (laughs) very cardboard cutout bad guy.
0: Oh, yeah, he he's the bad boy who's secretly good with the heart of gold. Mm -hmm. And he is that for sure. But as you're suggesting, he's also far more than that.
1: Yeah, and the complexity of his relationship with his mom. Obviously, I'm always a sucker for interesting
0: parent mm-hmm. dynamics.
1: And this book has those in spades.
0: Well, okay, I'm glad that you brought that up. Because like the mom character in the TV show is hot nothing. So <laughs> it's quite disappointing <laughs> in that regard. But yeah. I love the intricacies of this. She basically wasn't An addict, and she walked away from her family when he was very young. And there's a lot of trauma and grief Mm -hmm. associated with that, which has helped to shape Nate into this outsider where, you know, he really tries to close himself off from his feelings. And when she comes back, I really appreciated how much work goes into not even repairing their relationship because I don't even think they're there. It's more like, I'm willing to acknowledge that you are actually alive. Like, that's kind of as far as we get by the end of the first book.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciated that it wasn't like, oh, my mom is here and everything is better. Right?
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, it was like, when are you leaving again?
1: I think in many ways, McManus is making a bit of a commentary on how difficult it is for parents of teenagers to actually know their kids.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Because Bronwyn's parents see her in one particular way and they're willing to defend one particular version of Bronwyn. Yes. But they don't really know what to do when they find out that she actually has cheated, mm-hmm. and much the same as Cooper's dad, Cooper's dad is super comfortable with his baseball like awesomeness son. Yep. yep, his gay son, not so much. No, and then we have <laughs> Addy's mother, who is oh. a train wreck.
0: <laughs> Holy cow! Okay, so you like <laughs> Nate the most. I like Addie the most and even though it is a very traditional arc of yep she's got layers she's more complicated you know she is also hiding everything behind her perfect veneer I love who Addie becomes and the Mm -hmm. strength she finds in something as simple as you know what I like to bicycle so take that Jake
1: yeah i love that i love every little thing she does to stick it to jake cutting off her hair Mm
0: -hmm. taking her
1: bike choosing her friends over him i loved all of it just put it in my veins
0: yeah it's very very satisfying to the point that i think it even carries some goodwill over into the tv show where i think Mm -hmm. Addie is quite a bit more stereotypical but i liked the elements that we retain from the book so much that it made me invest in that tv character
1: yeah i agree i i don't think she's very successful in the tv series but i for the same reason i wanted good things for her
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay um i guess are there other things you wanted to unpack about the book or shall we transition over to the show and then we can compare some more
1: yeah i think almost everything i want to say is in comparison with the show so let's transition
0: seriously posting from campus i'm not worried it's
1: like you want to get shut down
2: Hey, Bayview. School is back in session, and you know what that means. So am I. This week, I'll be taking down four of Bayview's biggest offenders. Let's just say I've got enough dirt to bury them.
0: Your obsession with other people's lives is pathetic.
2: Nobody at the school would get called out for anything if it weren't for me.
0: Simon? (coughs)
2: Jesus, he's allergic.
0: I can think he's breathing. You want to help? Detective
1: Wheeler has a couple questions. Wasn't it an accident?
0: They think one of us did it. Without Simon, you get to be valedictorian. You're accusing me now. I know them. I don't know you. We need to work together now. And why should we trust you? All right. So one of us is lying becomes a TV show. Eight episodes in 2021. It's on Peacock. It was developed by Erica Sally, and it has the following cast members: Annalisa Cochran as Addie, Chibokum Uke as Cooper, Marianne Lee Tajada as Bronwyn, Cooper Van Grutel as Nate, Barrett Carnahan as Jake jessica mcleod as Janae, canadian woo!
1: <laughs> uh,
0: i mean this is a very canadian show it was clearly filmed in vancouver
1: yes yes very much from <laughs> uh
0: mark mckenna as simon melissa colazzo as Maeve. that's bronwyn's younger sister who has much more to do in the tv show we've got sarah thompson as vanessa clark that's addie's best friend and kind of like the uber bitch of the show (laughs) and then finally Alimni ballard as kevin clay that's cooper's dad
1: yeah i like this cast joe okay but Mm -hmm. these are all adult humans
0: (sighs) oh my gosh i think i messaged you a couple of times and just said there is no one under the age of 25 on this tv show
1: (laughs) no and it's a problem sometimes because the premise of the whole mystery is Mm -hmm. really kind of predicated on like poorly formed frontal cortexes, right? Like (laughs) no no one is making their best choices at any point ever in this. And so sometimes you can forget about it because a lot of these performers are really charismatic and, you know, really selling what they're doing. But there are times, Mm -hmm. especially when you first start an episode and you kind of take a step back and you're like, These are all adult humans.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this numerous times, particularly when we cover a TV show. So often, especially within a particular era, we Mm -hmm. only exclusively cast incredibly attractive 20-somethings to play teenagers. So... To a certain extent, this is expected behavior. You know, when you turned on the episode, yeah, it's jarring. And then you realize, oh, yeah, this is just what we do. But particularly in a show like this, and I would argue more so in this particular show compared to the book, the decision making is real bad. So when you see 25 to 27 year olds making the worst, most stupid decisions possible, Mm -hmm. you just think, oh, come on.
1: And I think the character who is most um, negatively impacted by this mm-hmm. is Cooper. And yes. the reason for that is twofold. One, um, Cooper being accused of taking steroids while having a body that a teenage boy could only achieve with steroids <laughs> is like slightly a problem. But also it becomes very strange when he's having the conversation about age discrepancies with his boyfriend and you're like –
0: right. I can't no, tell i'm not the actually age sure
1: which one of you is older
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so he he is secretly dating a college boy named chris and chris looks like the younger of the two because he is less muscly and i recognize that this is a like this is a almost visual discrimination but mm-hmm. it becomes really challenging when you look at it and you just see this actor who honestly could be a model Yes. So gorgeous, Bear, like this cast is incredibly hot. Yes, but this guy in particular, you know, he he looks like he could actually be a male model. And then, yeah, you think, oh, well, I could buy that he's on steroids. He seems, he seems large.
1: Yeah, I mean, troublingly so. I got, <laughs> I think, don't think it always works. But I will say, Joe, that like Chris becomes my surprise favorite character in the whole TV oh. series
0: he is very stereotypically gay but he's also quite fun
1: he's so fun and he basically like they lean on him to solve the mystery in the tv show and i also say um janae is also Mm -hmm. amazing in the tv series in a way that she's kind of not much really in the book she there's this great scene at the beginning uh well it's at the end of the first episode i guess and um she sings Lily Allen's F you song. Yes. <laughs> at, at the Memorial for Simon. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It's such a good scene. She sells it so hard. I loved her so much.
0: Yeah, I'm actually quite a fan of this actor. I saw them, uh they're non-binary, so they use they them pronouns, but I saw uh McLeod in another movie. It's basically, um, it's a wonderful life crossed with a slasher film. Mm -hmm. Not very good, unfortunately, but this actor is fantastic. Playing a very similar kind of character, bit of an outsider, quite a sardonic sense of humor. And they just kill these performances. They're Mm -hmm. really, really enjoyable to watch. I found that McLeod and then also Collazo as Maeve, Bronwyn's younger sister, they end up being these shining stars, I think in part because the TV show gives them more interesting things to do because we are trying to, you know, we're visualizing the mystery. So these two have the closest history to Simon and the Mm -hmm. TV show has to find a way to communicate what Simon's agenda was because we're using a lot of flashbacks.
1: Yeah. And let's talk about that a bit, Joe, because I think one of the things that's frustrating for me in the adaptation is that, yeah, our most interesting characters are characters who are really having things to do in the adaptation mm-hmm. that they didn't do in the book whereas yeah. our main characters are really i i find them very much flattened from i was
0: gonna say you can say boring because unfortunately <laughs> many of like we're spending a lot of time on the individual dramas of mm-hmm. our murder party group and i think part of the issue is that it doesn't feel innovative on the tv show whereas some of this was really working in the book i think because we were getting first person narration so it Mm -hmm. felt more intimate and we could really understand our process we're almost being held at arm's length with the tv show so it just seems like mature people making bad decisions but also very very stock
1: well and i think and this is not a new criticism Mm for me but i think that we are in a weird situation where The adaptation doesn't actually understand what interesting stakes are. No. So one of the choices that the adaptation makes is to make Simon the son of the mayor
0: of the town. Why? It it serves no purpose. No.
1: (laughs) It's supposed to create some kind of urgency around solving the crime, right? The police are answerable directly to the mayor in this community, and so they feel a responsibility. But like, as I said to you in a text show the child died at school like Mm
2: -hmm. there was
1: already urgency like (laughs) yes we didn't need to add this and then at the same time we have a lot of the sort of internal stakes for the characters quite muted in comparison Mm -hmm. and what i think is so good about the book is that the inner turmoil that all four characters are experiencing before simon dies is really what motivates all the conflict i think that's really mm-hmm. interesting and right. here almost all of the drama is created by like breaking into the mayor's house during simon's mm-hmm. memorial to try to find evidence or like breaking into jake's house during a halloween party to try to find evidence they do that a lot they break into mm-hmm. places to look for evidence a lot <laughs>
0: yeah it, it does feel quite a bit more traditionally tropey in terms of a murder mystery and i guess one thing that we should acknowledge is that at the end they do pull the trigger on turning this into mm-hmm. a much more conventionally tropey thriller because at the end i think one of the biggest distinctions is that simon doesn't die by suicide in the tv show jake mm-hmm. murdered him simon never wanted to die Like the 4chan stuff and the postings are still there, but they're not in the same sort of maliciousness. So Simon ends up becoming a much more conventional victim and Jake becomes a much more conventional killer Mm -hmm. to the point where we then accidentally kill him instead of sending him to jail like in the book so that we can set up a season two with now we're all being blackmailed in a new way by a new person. And I find it. Not surprising, but it is disappointing because it feels like the TV show just doesn't trust what the book is trying to do.
1: Yeah, and I will echo you on that not surprising. I The first thought I had when I closed the book was, well, they're not, not going to let Simon that. die by suicide in the TV no. show. There's no, no. way. Mm-mm. And I get it. Sure. I get all the sensitivities that would make that a difficult choice. Sure. However, yeah. if you're going to set Jacob as the murderer, maybe... Literally 10% of the character development of Jake in the book maybe should have made it over <laughs> to the TV mm-hmm.
0: series. Because
1: that's the problem.
0: But I think we do it deliberately to try to keep him off the audience's radar. Like, yeah. oh, it could be Janae. Oh, maybe it's Maeve for a hot second. Oh, maybe it actually is one of the four. I think we're meant to find Jake a very surprising killer reveal. Yeah. But the problem is, is that. You almost forget about Jake, except for the fact that he's just constantly there being terrible to Addie. Like, that's really his only role on the TV show until the finale, when, whoopsie, surprise, he's actually a really crazed killer.
1: But they even claw back a lot of Jake's controlling behavior. Like,
0: it's true.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things that the book I think does really well is. You realize how bad Jake is slowly, right? Like at mm-hmm. first you just think he's kind of a dick because, yeah. you know, he's he just acts kind of like a popular jock and like, right. but you slowly start to realize just how much he controls Addie's every move. And it's like yeah. little moments, ordering her food, um, oh, yeah. telling her what to wear, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 like these moments build up slowly. And as you said before, Joe, we are realizing how bad he is as Addie is. And it's very effective. Mm-hmm they're very committed in the TV series. Yes, I think you're right to having the red herrings of basically all the weird kids become suspects, yes. right? Like, the show is very conventional in that way. In all it's very ways.
0: pro-popular hot people.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. In all the ways that McManus is working hard to subvert the tropes that she sets up at the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. uh, the TV series is not, <laughs> not doing that at all. And so, you know, yes, like, oh it's probably janae because she's weird it's probably Maeve Mm -hmm. because she's weird all the weird kids and because it's so busy doing that it's setting up jake as like he's not that bad he doesn't do the same kinds of controlling behaviors those start about halfway through but then they have to ramp up what a dick he is in like the second last episode and it's quite Mm -hmm. whiplashy honestly
0: it it really is and to the extent that when you look back on it in hindsight you wonder how jake would have ever gotten away with this because yeah. it seems like he wouldn't have been able to curb this malicious desire to hurt and even kill people like he's either the greatest sociopath who ever lived or the show didn't quite set this up correctly because it's really hard to buy that he would be able to have controlled his impulses. And then when he lets loose, it's like, oh, he's really killerous. That's not I a word, but it is now.
1: Killerous. I like it actually. <laughs> I also I don't buy the Bayview Four as murderers. Like
0: No, it's so unbelievable that, that anyone could fall for it. Except for, I will say, I want to give a shout out to Sarah Thompson as Vanessa because mm-hmm. she she's playing the stockest of characters yes, in terms of is. like the best friend who actually hates Addie, but her line deliveries are so delicious that I could buy into her trying to poison everyone against these four.
1: Oh yeah, no, totally. I get that. I mean that I don't buy them as the literal murderers of Jake.
0: Like Oh, okay. Oh, don't. sure. Yeah, it's so no.
1: weird i was like and it took me a second like i was like did they really did they really mm-hmm. kill him and they're did hiding they a body it? what? Are they, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: okay so some of the other things that are different for the tv show and i can't help but wonder a part of the reason we struggle with jake as a character is because we don't have the character of Ashton, who is Addie's older sister, who has gone through a very similar growth where she married the perfect person found out that this person is actually not what she was looking for that she's actually very unhappy that she needs to do work on herself to find out what makes her happy. And then we also don't have Eli, who is the person who offers some shading to Bronwyn and ends Mm -hmm. up helping to get Nate out of jail. So uh, Ashton and Eli are characters who are pretty important in the back half of the book, and they've been excised from the TV show entirely. And I do think it mostly works, except for the Jake stuff.
1: Yeah, I agree. I was surprised at how much I didn't miss Eli because I absolutely love his character in the book.
0: Such a good character and hilarious hugely important for the second book so i have a feeling that character does show up in season two i haven't actually checked though
1: oh interesting um but i really missed ashton i missed that foil Mm -hmm. part of why ashton's so important is because she offers a path to being in the world with men that is Mm -hmm. different from the one set up by Addie's mother right
2: oh yes Mm -hmm.
1: and it's such a necessary foil Addie doesn't have that. And I think that's why we end up with the like Addie going back to her cheerleader esque ways in like the third Mm -hmm. last episode that I didn't love. I didn't love it for her character.
0: No, it it feels like we've lost something that makes Addie unique and lovable in the book is, yeah, sure, it's an expected arc, as I mentioned, but it's also satisfying because it works. Whereas in the TV show, she starts to drift back to Jake, but then she's kind of plotting against him, but she's also not really invested in the, you know, the drama with the other three. And she ended up becoming like a waffling character who really bothered me i was just like i don't understand your choices right now
1: yeah i 100 percent agree with everything you just said i think what we end up with is instead of an arc we don't really get that growth at Mm -mm. all and yes she eventually comes out against jake but like It's Mm -hmm. not because she has grown as a person, it's because he's very obviously a murderer, right? Those are two different arcs.
0: Yeah, like making her fall in love with bike riding feels like you did a surface analysis of what Mm -hmm. the character is doing in the book and said, well, this is something visual that we can play off of on screen.
1: Yeah, instead what we have is as soon as Jake pays attention to her again, she's like, oh yeah, I'll go back to that. That was easy. And you're like, wait, what? No, baby, Mm -hmm. come (laughs) on.
0: Um, yeah, I've got some other differences, but I don't think at the end of the day, they're all that integral. Like we do some diverse casting with Cooper. So he goes from white in the book to black in the TV show. Mm -hmm. Miss Avery is the teacher in the TV show. Uh, She's been gender flipped. It's Mr. Avery in the book. You know, there's little differences in how Simon set up his plan, who knew what and that kind of stuff. Ultimately, I don't think it really affected things I'm no. I'm not always certain why they made some of the choices but I think it's mostly just to kind of pull back and try to give everybody just a little bit more screen time and for the most part I do think it works like you and I before we started recording we both said we prefer the book mm-hmm. but the tv show goes down surprisingly easy
1: oh yeah I think if you're looking for an eight episode binge over a weekend when you just want to veg out it's great for that it's not Mm -hmm. of the level of complexity where you'll have to like really keep on top of it because they simplify a lot of things like it's totally worth watching these actors are all really fun to watch there's not a really a bad performance among them but if you really want a good murder mystery read the book yeah
0: yeah oh absolutely 100 percent. and i will say i'm i mean i know i talked about this before i think way back in a minisode when i first read this
1: first read it yeah
0: yeah so the book is really good, and I found the second book was actually also quite good. It's a little frustrating because we do kind of, we have to reset the board to a certain extent. So it's kind of, oh, okay, even though it seemed like we were all hanging out and we're good friends now, they they scatter, but it's also because they're a year older. So they've, you know, I think a couple of them have gone off to college, and Ronwyn is working with Eli a lot more and that kind of stuff. So It takes a while to get going. I don't think the mystery is quite as good. But if you like this one, it's just natural to segue right into the sequel.
1: Nice. Okay, good to know. From reading the synopsis of the book, I cannot figure out what the TV show is going to do next.
0: No, no. And of course, we, we could do the second season down the line and see how they either do or don't handle the adaptation. I have a feeling that they're going to keep the title and jettison a lot of what that second book is doing.
1: Joe, I have a question for you about like structure, maybe? Mm-hmm. So I noticed that when the first season actually released, it released um, three episodes at a time. So right. it's like three episodes one week, three episodes the next week, and then the last two episodes the final week. Mm
0: -hmm. Whereas
1: for season two, they did a a straightforward binge. They just dropped them all on one day. Right. Do you have any thoughts about why they might have done one over the other or like the efficacy? Obviously, we watched it as a binge, so it's hard Mm -hmm. to say. Right. Yeah, I was wondering if you had any thoughts about that.
0: Yeah. So as I mentioned, the TV show was developed for Peacock and... I think it was coming at a time when Peacock was still trying to figure out exactly what their strategy was Mm -hmm. in terms of new content. They were trying to lure people to watch it as a streaming site, which is still not the most popular, right? Like when we talk about streamers, Peacock is not always in the conversation. So I think they were looking to say, okay, we're going to drop it with three because that'll get people hooked. And then the decision to do three the next week and then two is weird. It almost seems like they want to do it as a limited series. Like, it's going to be big, it's going to be bold, and it'll be done by October. So this was a spooky season drop in 2021, but it was also done by the end of the month. So I wonder if that was part of the strategy, you know, get it while people are looking for mysteries because Mm. it is the time of year. I think the binge model is something that most people move towards because we have seen it done so well by people like Netflix so I think when they renewed the series for season two they said you know what it's a murder mystery people are going to want to know who the killer is or what the resolution is let's just give it to them all at once I don't know if it worked for them because of course the series is canceled after the second season, but I also don't know if it's just because, oh, you know, people preferred the first one and they just didn't come back around the following year.
1: Yeah, I find the whole thing with streamers still trying to figure out how we want to watch content so Mm -hmm. interesting. I am definitely at a stage of life where if a show comes out once a week, Mm-hmm. I will not remember that it exists week to week. I just won't. Mm-hmm. So I'm always fascinated by like different structures of release and what, what right. we think streamers are trying to achieve when they do that.
0: Well, it's funny that you say that because you mentioned in the discussion of how you watch this on this random sort of streaming <laughs> site. But this aired... In its first run on the W network, which Mm -hmm. I love that it was formerly the Women's Network. And then they abbreviated the name because they just they didn't want to alienate 49% of their potential audience. Mm -hmm. And now it's just W network. But it was released weekly on W.
1: Okay, interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think it came out after it debuted on peacock so it was one of those like if you had a vpn or if you were illegally torrenting you could have already watched the whole thing by the time that w started airing it
1: yeah we should note canadians don't have easy access to peacock you can't no just add it to an existing streaming service here you would have to use a vpn or yeah as you say download illegally yeah we've been able to cover peacock shows because we got screening access to peacock briefly which was Mm -hmm. very exciting yeah but but i do think that makes a difference to how a series works across territories, right? Like, that's a very 100%. different experience to have to watch mm-hmm. it on a network week to week. And then I don't think it showed up on this streaming service until after it was done on network right? Stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
1: With ads. Did I mention there were ads, Joe? I feel attacked.
0: <laughs> I mean... The idea that we have basically circled back to what we were trying to get away from when we developed streaming services, yes. where now you have to pay extra if you don't want ads. And sometimes there isn't even that option anymore. Like, as we record this, Amazon Prime literally just made people pay $3 more to go ad free. That's like price gouging, price it gouging.
1: <laughs> it is, it is. And also, I just feel like when I've paid for something and then I still have ads, it just really makes me makes me kind of right? nuts
0: yeah. <laughs> you know if we swore on this podcast it would be a, a big old go f yourself
1: 100 <laughs> percent. well you know amazon's really hurting for cash joe so we, oh, we should yeah. definitely poor, make sure poor
0: jeff they bezos let's <laughs> cry for that guy <laughs> brenda do you want to play some white bingo with this
1: i sure do but i have
0: to open my card because i'm
1: rusty <laughs> bingo not a good bingo
0: all right so what have you got
1: Oh, gosh, Joe, so much. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely abuse.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely Jake. house porn in the TV series. Like, yeah, with the exception of Nate's house, which, by the way, is just a normal house that's messy. Like, mm-hmm. um, These houses are ridiculous.
0: In the book, they talk about how the door isn't even on the handle, so people could just walk in. That's how he gets framed at yeah. one point. <laughs> and in the show, it's like, oh, you're just regular middle class wealthy not yeah. ultra rich wealthy
1: yeah exactly he's just like yeah your dad just stopped cleaning that's really all we're indicating here um mm-hmm. definitely filmed in vancouver it's the vancouveriest yep. southern california ever i want to give a shout out to female directors or screenwriters obviously yeah. was the writer of the text but i noticed the pilot episode was directed by jennifer morrison who mm-hmm. i loved in house and so that's why i remembered her name that's pretty yeah.
0: yeah
1: um obviously we have borrowed time yes and obviously we have a dead body like those mm-hmm. are just mystery mainstays
0: yeah
1: um and i will also say coincidental classes because okay. oftentimes in the book at least what they're learning about in class it becomes directly relevant especially in that chemistry class oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i won't do any more till you get a chance joe
0: Okay, so I'm going to say uh, hollow friendship and romance is for most of the relationships. But then mm-hmm. of course, we do also get good friendships as Murder Club becomes closer, particularly in the book. I was frustrated by the TV show, particularly the resolution where because mm-hmm. we are setting up another mystery for season two, we have to have everyone pretend that we don't like each other. So they mm-hmm. just go back to their clicks at the end of the season. <laughs>
1: It's especially disappointing for Addie's character because right. she is so deeply changed through her friendships, which, like, we love on this show.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to say sexual awakening for Bronwyn. She's a little bit reserved. Even in the book, she's lusting after a mathlete, Evan, but it's only because she feels like she should go after someone who is intellectual, but also that she feels no passion for. Mm-hmm. And then she also is dating an incredibly attractive British man on wow. the TV show, and yes. he just bull on disappears about halfway through so that we can get to Nate. But it's very much a oh, I didn't know kissing could be this way, Brenna.
1: they did that character so dirty, like
0: <laughs> so dirty. I don't know what I can't even, even remember his in. name. <laughs>
1: I can't either. I was trying to find him in the cast list and I couldn't remember his name enough to find him.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the voice, the speaking voice, was delicious.
1: It was, it was really good. Really, really good. <laughs> um, we have a queer secondary character in Janae in the T V series and Maybe a little yes. bit mave.
0: Yes, yeah, that was an interesting pick. The switch for racial casting of Cooper and then making these two secondary characters queer felt to me the most like, oh, okay, this is what's changed in the time difference between the book and the TV show.
1: yeah, hundred uh, percent
0: apart from that, I've just got aged up for mm-hmm. all of these actors,
1: yeah, I was really surprised by the lack of stunt casting, and I mm-hmm. I guess it has to do with the fact that like, this isn't a streaming service with a lot of money, but I was I was expecting to see some big name adult walk into the room and I never did.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: We, we do have a prom, Joe.
0: We do have a prom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I realized that after I said I have no more. But um, you know what? It doesn't help us. Boo. This is not a line.
1: Boo. How could something be this tropey and we don't get a line?
0: Yeah, it's a little bit wild, right? Oh, I guess there is an inclusion flip as well, but still yes. doesn't help us.
1: No, ah, well,
0: mm. no.
1: All right, Joe, that was fun. I enjoyed yeah. it. Thank you for it. Um, <laughs> we are changing gears a little bit, though. We're uh, entering into something you have called New Zealand Month.
0: Indeed, Uh, I still don't entirely know how I came about this. I think it was that I noticed that there were at least two Taika Waititi titles that we could cover. So I said, Oh, well, maybe I'll do kind of like our 17 block from back in January. You know, I thought, oh, that that was kind of fun. Maybe we'll just do two Taika Waititi titles in the next month. And then I started to think, oh, we could do a couple of New Zealand books as well. And all of a sudden, we ended up with four weeks of New Zealand programming.
1: I love this. So if we have Kiwi listeners, I hope that you will Let us know how badly we're botching things.
0: Uh Oh, it's going to be awful. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The first book we're going to look at is Catalog of the Universe by Margaret Mahey. So that's the first one in New Zealand month. And then, yeah, as Joe said, a whole month of programming around uh, the Kiwi. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. We've done an Australia month before. So, you know, you'll probably do New Zealand.
0: There we go. I'm excited to revisit Mayhee. I didn't realize until after I had put this all together that we actually have read one of her books before. It was that like ghost one with the teenage girl. Uh, But this one is apparently her most famous title. It's like a staple of New Zealand fiction.
1: Okay. I'm excited. I love it. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Joe. So I guess if people want to reach out to us, they should do that. You can find us on most social media at HKHSpod or on the hashtag HKHSpod. Joe, where do they find you?
0: I can be reached at B still in my remote, and that's the letter B.
1: And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A, everywhere but Twitter. And if you have something more long form for us, you can find us at HKHSpod at Mm gmail.com. All right, Joe. Well, I hope listeners were patient. I know that you've heard a few episodes, but this is the first one back for recording and I feel rusty. So I I think you did great. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm just glad to be back and glad to be chatting with you about awesome
0: books. There we go. There we go.
1: So until next time, I will see you on the page.
0: And I will see you on the screen.